for joining us. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and energize your faith. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can download our app in your favorite app store or go to the on-demand page at walkingbyfaith.tv. It's really interesting that in the Bible, God's days begin with a night. They don't start with a bright shining. They start in a dark place. And God takes that dark place and He brings light. And that's what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. When we're in that dark place, He wants to bring us out of the darkness into the light. And I believe that the message that I'm going to share is going to bless you today. Uh, I want to take a text today from Genesis 1 and verse 5, which simply says, so there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the first day. Uh, It's interesting. We tend to think of a day. It starts when we get up and the birds are outside chirping and the sun is shining. But God days don't begin in the morning. God's days begin in the evening. God's days begin in darkness. And then the darkness passes and then comes the light. Because that's what God wants to do in your life and in my life. He wants to take the darkness that we start out with and he wants to bring it to a place of light where we're blessed, where there's health, where there's peace, where there's provision. He wants there to be an overcoming reversal of that darkness in our life. So think of it differently than what you have. You may have thought, well, you know, I was uh, in, in this good place and now I'm in the dark place. But when you're in the dark place, that's where God's going to start. That's where God's going to begin to move in our lives. Think of it like this. Moses kills an Egyptian. He's fearful. He's hiding. He runs out in the desert. He's there for 40 years. But then comes the day. That was the dark. But then comes the day. There's the burning bush. There's the deliverance. There's the Red Sea. There's going up on the mountain and meeting with God. Esther in the Bible was an orphan. She's taken to a foreign land. I'm sure she felt alone. She felt forsaken. She felt abandoned. That was her darkness. That was her night. But God then promoted her. She became queen and she became deliverer to Israel. Joseph, well, he's hated by his brothers. He's sold as a slave. He's lied about. He ends up in prison, in a dungeon, forgotten. That was his night. But then God brings him through it into promotion, into a position where he brings provision to literally multitudes of people. David, he has a night. He has an affair with Bathsheba, ends up murdering her husband, Uriah, by the sword of the Ammonites. It's night. But yet God turned that whole thing around. And God said that David was a man after his own heart. When he was young, he was literally forgotten. When uh, Samuel the prophet came to find a king among his father's sons, his six brothers were brought, but he wasn't even brought. They forgot all about him. But God saw that time of darkness and God promoted him. You may be in a dark place, but remember this, in the dark place, we grow. Our character develops. We learn perseverance and resolve. We learn to trust God. We get closer to God. We pray more. We reevaluate our priorities. We appreciate what we do have. And we learn to put our total trust in God and lean on him. It's in those times of darkness that we don't often realize that great things are happening on the inside of us. I think personally, uh, when Jeannie and I just began in ministry, 
we, we had began a, a, a church. We were going for about six months and the church split. And uh, it was such a time of darkness and depression in my life. Uh, I, I wanted to quit the ministry. I felt like such a failure, but God used that. And now today I've got such a heart for people that are in a similar situation. You know, God will take that time of darkness and he will take that misery that you're in and it will literally become your message. He, he will take what the devil meant for destruction and he will use that thing in your life in the future. The Bible says about Joseph when his brothers sold him as a slave, his feet were bruised by strong shackles and his soul was held by iron. You know, the bad things that happen to us, the, the pain that comes in our soul, the rejection, the poor self-image, the broken heartedness, God uses those things. Now, God didn't cause that, but God will use that in your life. And he, he'll literally bring you out of that and bring you in a place of strength where you're able to minister to others. The Bible tells us that the comfort that he comforts with will be able to use to comfort and help others. And it is in that time when we develop strength, we develop perseverance, we develop character. And very often we could not have gotten it any other way. We learn in those dark places. Uh, we need to stop complaining how hard it is, that it's unfair, that it's uncomfortable because God's working. Whether you see him working or not, God is working on our behalf. And uh, we don't reach our highest potential when it's just times of daytime, when it's just the light. You know, the weightlifter has to push that weight away in order to grow. And, and that really is a picture of what happens to us spiritually. That thing comes upon us, but we need to put our faith in God and we need to persevere and push that thing away. And when we do, we become stronger spiritually. If having problems just made everybody a spiritual giant, every one of us would be a spiritual giant. Right? But David, uh, he's a, a shepherd boy. He's forgotten. He's overlooked. He's considered insignificant. He's out there with the sheep, but he's worshiping God. And in that dark time, things were happening. Character was developing on the inside of him. And look what he said. He said, whenever I am in distress, you enlarge me. Whenever I am in distress, you enlarge me. God uses those hard times, those dark times, and he enlarges us on the inside. Our character grows, our faith grows, our trust and our confidence in God grows. Uh, in those dark times, in those forgotten times, if you keep the, the right attitude, you just keep that right attitude and keep your faith in God, God will always bring us through. God, you may say, I may not see you working right now, but you're working on my behalf and I'm getting stronger. Your faith is growing. Your love is growing. Your patience is growing. Your perseverance is growing. God is enlarging you in those times. Even in Psalms 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I'll fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The God of the green pastures and the still waters, he's also the God when we're in the valley of the shadow of death. And he's the God that prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies and anoints our head with oil. We just want him to be the God of green pastures, the God of still waters. But he is also God when we're in the valley of the shadow of death. And he will bring us through that valley. It's easy to trust God when the pastures are green, right? When we're beside the still waters. But we need to understand that we also need to trust God when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, when we don't understand, we need to keep our trust in God. Job did not understand what was happening in his life. But he said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. He didn't understand what was happening. If he, faith believes God and that God is going to bless them even in the darkest of places. Even when the things happen that we don't understand. Uh, uh, I, I can't even think. It's 1974. Uh, I went to Bible college in Dallas, Texas, and Doug was my roommate. Uh, we, we, we literally, we arrived on campus and we were, we were helping uh, somebody get into their dorm, a girl that had also come from Michigan. We were helping her get into her dorm. And, and across the way, he spotted this, Doug did, he spotted this really tall, lean, black-haired, black-eyed girl. And uh, he's, oh, look at her, you know, and, and I'm like, hey, you know, let's, let's just do what we're doing. And, um, well, anyway, before the day was done, he found out that she was the assistant dean of women and her name was Barb. And we ended up being roommates. And, and within like a week, I mean, he and Barb are starting to see each other. And, and I, I'm like, he's just Barb, 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 Barb all the time. And, and I'm like, hey. And we're here to pray. We're here to study. We're here to read the Bible. And he's like, well, Barb and I are going to pray. And Barb and I are going to read the Bible. And Barb and I, and uh, just, just crazy stuff. Uh, he's, just, he's just totally, totally obsessed with Barb. Well, one night he's sleeping. I'm sleeping. We're, we're, we have just this little bitty room, bedroom. And the, the two of us got little separate beds. And, and uh, I didn't know that Doug was a sleepwalker. So Doug wakes up in the night and he thinks, he, uh, I say he wakes up, but he's up, he's sleepwalking and he thinks that I am Barb. So, so he's standing at the foot of my bed. Now I know he's moving, but those of you that, you know, you, you, you sleep in the same room with somebody, you know, sometimes in the night they move, but you're not going to wake up. And so I know he's moving, but I'm not going to wake up, but he thinks I'm Barb. And he sees me and, and he thinks, well, it wouldn't be proper to do anything, but I could give her a kiss. And he gets right over next to me and kneels down. And I know something's happening, but I'm determined to sleep. And he says, Barb, I love you. And he kisses me right on the lips, on the lips. I hit him so hard. I knocked him over his bed. He gets, he gets up there and he's, ah, and I'm like, ah, you know, what's wrong? And, and he explains what happens. And, and anyway, a couple months later, he's engaged and he and Barb get married. They leave school, move to Michigan. They're working as uh, worship leaders in a, in a church. And, uh, 
years, years have passed and now we're up here in Michigan. Uh, Jeannie and I were pastoring a church and Doug and his wife, Barbara, beginning to attend our church. And uh, I get a phone call and Barb and one of their daughters were in their car. Somebody ran a red light, excuse me, a stop sign and hit them broadside and killed both of them instantly. Well, well, literally when, when I heard, I, I just didn't know what to say. I, I got in my car, I drove over to Doug's house and, and uh, literally I cried with him. Uh, we prayed, we worshiped together. Uh, and, and I didn't even know what to say to Doug. I, I just said, man, I love you. I don't know, I don't understand. You know, let's pray God's grace on you, God's comfort. Now in a case like that, uh, some people run from God. Some people run to God. And, and what Doug did is he ran to God, not from God. He ran to God. And, and I remember watching him in that, that, that entire situation. You know, a few years later, um, he gets remarried. And, and then probably 15 years ago, we sent him up to Rockford, Michigan. He's pastoring a church. There's probably 2,500 people there this morning. And, uh, but what happened was he didn't take what he didn't understand and throw it away and throw away what he did understand. You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29 that the secret things belong to the Lord. The things that are revealed belong to us and to our children, but the secret things belong to the Lord. There's some things we won't understand until we get to heaven. And in those dark times, those are the times when we develop our faith, when we develop our trust. The Bible says this in Romans 8. It says, we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. You know, God will take what the devil meant for evil and he will turn it around for our good. The Bible says in James, don't be deceived. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of light in whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. You know, on the other side of the valley, there is a table that's prepared for us and there is an anointing and our cup will run over. And remember that God doesn't always speak to us from our situation. In fact, God always speaks to us from our destiny, from the place that he's called us to. In the book of, of Judges, there is a man named Gideon and he's hiding and he's threshing out some wheat. He's hiding from the Midianites, the enemies of Israel. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, what he did not feel like was a man of valor. He was afraid, he was hiding, he's questioning, where is God? Why have all these things happened? But God spoke to him from his destiny and God speaks to you from your destiny. Yeah, don't look at yourself and think, you know, um, I've had so many bad breaks, nothing's going right. You know, I'm telling you that no matter what has happened to you because of God's call on your life, because of what Jesus has done to redeem you, there is a great future for you. Bad breaks can't stop you. Sickness can't stop you. Injustice can't stop you. We need to stay in faith, keep believing, keep a right attitude. And the time is going to come when we are going to get through the valley of the shadow of death. And God's going to prepare a table before us. No matter what has happened, God is working 
for your benefit, to turn that thing around. In fact, he said this in Isaiah 61, because you got a double dose of trouble and more than your share of contempt, your inheritance in the land will be double and your joy will go on forever. Literally, God is saying, what I wanna do is I wanna give you double for your trouble. On the other side of the valley of the shadow of death, there is a table and it's got abundance. It has joy, health, wholeness, great relationships, dreams coming to pass, the promises of God. You walk through the valley. Don't camp in the valley, go through the valley. I understand that you might be laid off. You may think my my career is ruined. My business is ruined. Divorce has tainted my future. You know, you're fighting sickness but you're going through and there is a table of God's provision for you. Keep believing, keep resisting the enemy. Don't don't accept what the enemy brings into your life as the will of God. You're not forsaken. God has not abandoned you. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So Gideon, he thought of himself as a failure, but God saw him and said, you are a mighty man of valor. And God looks at you and he says, you're a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. You're forgiven. He's given you righteousness. He's given you authority. He's translated you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. He says, every tongue that rises up against you, you will condemn. And that is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And Psalm 84, excuse me, says this. Yea, though they, they passed through the valley of Baca. Now, Baca literally means weeping. Though they pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping. Now, notice we're to pass through. We're not to stay in that place. We're to pass through that place. It says, they make it a spring. They make it a spring. I love it. The rains also cover it with pools and they go from strength to strength. Each one before God appears before God in Zion. That valley of weeping, the Bible says, make it a spring. That valley is a place of loss, of bondage, of disappointment, of shame, of addiction, of fear, of sickness, of disease, of lack. But the Bible says what we're going to do is we're going to make it a spring. Now, sometimes what we try to do is we try to make everything God's responsibility. And don't get me wrong, God is working on our behalf. But we need to do something. We need to, we need to participate. When the man with the epileptic son comes to Jesus and the disciples did not deliver his boy, he came to Jesus and he said, if you can believe, excuse me, if you can do anything, he said, help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He tried to just lay everything off on Jesus and say, Jesus, you just do it all. But Jesus said, no, you need to believe. You need to do something. And that is so true. So often we just sit back and say, God, you just do it all. But you and I need to do something. Notice it says, they make it a spring. In the valley of weeping, they is you, they is me. And he says, we are to make it a spring. We're going to come out of that place of bondage. We're going to come out of the place of disappointment and addiction and fear and sickness and disease and lack. We're going to come out. But the Bible says they make it a spring. (laughs) The rain also covers the pool and they go from strength to strength. Let me talk to you about these two verses for just a couple of moments. Notice it says they go from strength to strength. 
You know what it's talking about? It's talking about faith. It's talking about going from faith to faith. Now, the Bible says this in Romans 1 and 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, listen. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. We go from strength to strength, from faith to faith. And notice the just shall live by faith. Faith isn't just something for Sundays or, fun, or, or funerals or sometimes when, when you have a religious thought. No, faith is what we live by. It has to do with every aspect of our life. But notice it says from faith to faith. It's literally, it's from strength to strength, from faith to faith. What that means is this. God will never design a plan for your life in which no faith is required. The plan that God has for your life will require faith. And in addition, you go from faith to faith. In other words, the faith that you have when you start is not enough to take you all the way to the end. Your faith needs to keep on growing in order for you to fulfill God's plan and God's purpose for your life. And literally, it's from strength to strength, from faith to faith. Your faith grows with each victory. The Bible says that David killed a lion and a bear and then a giant. I think it doesn't mention, first of all, there was a fox and then a coyote. But his faith was growing. Lion, bear, and then finally, a giant. And after the giant, he, 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 again and again, he was up against entire armies of nations. But his faith grew from the lion, from the bear, to the giant, to facing literally armies. But listen, every one of us, we live life on levels and we arrive in stages. See, he's living on levels. There was a lion level, a bear level, a giant level, and then there was an army level. And the same thing is you and, with you and I. We go from strength to strength, from faith to faith. Again, we live life on levels. We arrive in stages, right? So you need to keep going. Keep on building your faith. Stay plugged into God. Don't unplug. Don't backslide. Don't go on vacation from the things of God. How else do we make it a spring? Well, David said it this way in the Psalm, Psalm 69. He says, I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Now, a magnifying glass does not make the object you look at any larger. But what it does do is it lets you see it in more detail. You, you see the intricacies. You see the greatness when you look in that magnifying glass. Well, that is literally what happens when we begin to magnify God with thanksgiving. The way we magnify him or see the greatness of God is when we begin to be thankful for the things that he has already done. He's healed. He's given peace. There's been provision. There's deliverance. And when we begin to be thankful for those things, we begin to see how big God really is. It is so common to find people who see their problem as being this big and their God as being this big. But as you begin to magnify him, as you begin to be thankful, God gets bigger and bigger. Now, you don't make him bigger, but you realize how big he is. And our faith grows because we need to go from strength to strength, from faith to faith. It says this in Isaiah 61. 
It says to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness or the spirit of depression. You know, when we are not thankful, that's when we get depressed. When, when we are not recognizing who God is and what it is that God wants to do. David wrote in Psalms 116, and, and I think this applies perfectly to this situation. It says, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. So he's saying, in my soul, in my mind, there's all sorts of turmoil that's going on. But what I need to do is I need to get my soul back in a place of rest, a place of faith. And how do I do it? I look at what God has already done. The Lord has dealt bountifully. And he mentions three things. He says, you delivered my soul from death. Literally for about 20 years, King Saul is David's enemy. And the Bible says at one point that he, he searches for him every day and sought to kill him. But God did not deliver David into the king's hand. He says, you delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears. He did not have a life that was, not, uh, that was pain-free. He had one of his sons kill another one. He had a baby that was born in his house that died. And he said, God, in spite of all the pain that I went through, you healed my heart. And then he said, my feet from falling. You know, he had the affair with Bathsheba. He murdered her husband by the sword of the Ammonites. But yet when he sought God, God forgave him. And he said, you know, you have picked me up. You've put me in a, on a solid rock and put me in a large place. He said, God, in spite of all the things that I've done, you are the one who's promoted me. You're the one who's kept me. And, and he looks at what God has done and what that, ha what that causes to have happen on the inside of him is his soul, his mind returns to that place of rest. He realizes the God who did deliver is the God who is going to deliver. Uh, I've mentioned it before, but when you look up the word testimony in Hebrew, when you go to the Greek, it literally means to do again, do again. What God has done in the past, he wants to do it again. You know, when the apostle Paul, still Saul, was going to, to Antioch to persecute the church and Jesus appears to him, this is what Jesus said. He said, I am Jesus, the victorious. I am Jesus, the victorious. And he is our victory. The Bible in the Old Testament, his name is the Lord, our banner, or the Lord, our victory. The victory that he won, he didn't win for himself. He won it for us. And one of the things that so often happens is we look at our situation and we think, wow, why is all of this happening? You know, but the Bible says this, to fight the good fight of faith to fight the good fight of faith. So often as Christians, we think, well, I'm not gonna have any problems. There's not gonna be anything that's going on around me except good, but that is not true. The Bible says to fight the good fight of faith. In other words, the Christian life is a fight from the womb to the tomb. There's going to be a fight. I like to say it like this. There is no such thing as an unchallenged faith. When we put our faith in God, there's going to be challenges. And Jesus in Mark 4 said that the enemy, he comes to take and steal the word of God out of our hearts. 
He's there. If you look at Jesus' ministry, which shouldn't just be, you know, let's look at the history of what Jesus did. It should be a picture of what our life is going to be looking like. We find that Jesus is constantly in opposition to the devil. He's preaching the word of God. He's healing the sick. He's casting out devils. You know, when Jesus was tempted, the Bible says afterwards, the devil left him for a more opportune time. Opposition in the Christian life is normal. There's going to be times that we go through the valley of the shadow of death, but on the other side of that valley, he is preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Don't ever forget that. We are not to camp in the valley. We're going to go through the valley. And uh, one of the things that really helps energize your faith, but remember, we're going to go from strength to strength or from faith to faith. It says this in Philemon verse 6. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You know, we need to acknowledge the good that's in us in Christ. We need to acknowledge what Jesus has done. And this really does energize our faith. When we look at what he has done and we begin to confess the word of God. See, the Bible says he has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. When we begin to say, God, I thank you. I've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of your love. When the devil comes with condemnation and guilt and we say, God, I thank you. Then in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, that you said that you made him that knew no sin, be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. God, I thank you that I'm righteous, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus done. I thank you that I'm accepted in the beloved that the blood of Jesus has purged me from all of my sins. When we begin to confess the word of God, what happens? It energizes our faith. We begin to be thankful for what he's done. That garment of heaviness, that, that, that depression falls off and he puts on us a garment of praise and of joy. Now, that's how we energize our faith. And that's how we go from strength to strength. Notice when we're in that valley of crying, that valley of Baca, we make it a spring. And you make it a spring when you're thankful for what he's done. When you begin to confess and acknowledge the things that he has done for you. And be say, you know what, God, I realize the life that you have for me is a life that's going to require faith. And my faith is going to need to grow to fulfill your plan and your purpose for my life. I want to ask you something. Have you received Jesus or do you just know about him? Because so often we know about God. We know about Jesus, but that knowledge has not changed our life. So the Bible says to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. It's not enough to just know about him. We need to receive him as our Lord, as our Savior. And if you're saying, I need to get right with God today, I'm away from God. I've never received him. I know about him. Would you bow your head and pray this prayer with me? And we're going to do what the Bible says, and we're going to receive Jesus. Just make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. And today, I give him all of my heart and all of my life. And I receive him as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer from your heart and you received him, God heard that prayer and you are forgiven and right with God, you're on your way to heaven. But you need to keep growing spiritually. And I wrote a small book that I want to send you. It is full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. Now, you can download it absolutely free. And the information is right there on your screen. And if you need a hard copy, you let us know. We will send you a hard copy free of charge. And we'll thank you for being with us. We love you. We pray for you daily. God bless. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you or download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking by Faith. Or check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. You can find it in your favorite app store today. Walking by Faith is used across the globe to spread the truth that changes lives on and off the air. To partner with us financially in this great commission, go to walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. If you need someone to pray with or God is just doing amazing things in your life, we would love to hear about it. You can contact us by phone, email, or through our app. Also, find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF-TV. I pray you have a safe and wonderful week, and we'll see you again next time.